welcome to the International Family Church Podcast. Each year during the holiday season, the IFC family comes together to be a blessing to organizations making a difference in our surrounding communities and throughout the world. This year, we'll be giving to four organizations, the North Reading Food Pantry, Olive in July in Lawrence, Massachusetts, Teen Challenge in Manchester, New Hampshire, and the Grace Dream Center in San Pedro Sula, Honduras. We want to come alongside each of these organizations and help resource them so they can have a greater impact in the coming year. From now until December 22nd, you can be a part of this opportunity by either writing Legacy Offering on your envelope, or you can select Legacy Offering from the menu when you give online. Visit intlfamilychurch.com or the IFC mobile app to learn more about these organizations and to be a blessing this holiday season. Now here's today's message. My name is Josh Roberts. I'm the family ministries pastor. On behalf of our lead pastor and all of our dream teamers, whether you're watching online or right here, we welcome you today. We're stoked you're here. You're not in the rain. It's warm in here. Can I give you a good report? We we had the Olive in July gift card giveaway yesterday. We blessed over 300 families in Lawrence because of your generosity. Thank you so much for being such a giving church. I wanted to extend that to you today. Maybe you know someone in our church or maybe your family doesn't have uh, what you need to have Thanksgiving dinner. Uh, you can see our ushers or our guest services team in the lobby and they'll get you with a staff member. We would love to sow a seed, a gift card to you to make sure you have Thanksgiving dinner with your family. So please take advantage of that. I'm going to jump into part two of uh, the, the series that Pastor started last week. But before I do, I just want to say thank you uh, for believing in me, asking me to do this given me a place in this house under your leadership. We're all better for it. Do you guys believe that? We have such amazing pastors. Thank you again, Pastor Jonathan. Let me pray for you and we'll jump right into week two. Father, we thank you for your word. It is forever settled in heaven. It's never changing. It's always the same. It's incorruptible. I thank you, Father, your word is an anchor in our lives. It's the foundation for which we live and breathe, for which we exist Father, today I ask you as we open your word that you would give us insight and understanding to your plan for our lives. Father, I ask you to give me boldness in the Holy Spirit to say everything that you've placed in my heart. Lord, communicate to your people today your plan, your vision, in Jesus' name. And everybody said, amen. Amen. Today we're in part two of the world of the generous. You know, I was thinking about that. I want that to be my world. The scripture, Proverbs chapter 24, let's look at this. This is our foundation for the series. It says, the world of the generous gets larger and larger, and the world of the stingy gets smaller and smaller. You know, this is a choice. We get to choose which side of the coin we're going to be on. Whether our world gets larger or smaller depends upon our generosity. Do you believe that today? You know, I believe that God has given me the ability to be a blessing and the, and the pastor shared this last week. He shared this statement. It says, before we can enter the world of the generous, we must first pass the heart test. And he gave you some homework. I hope you did your homework last week. He said, check on your heart to make sure that you don't have a selfish heart. Right. It's not all about you. Turn to your neighbor and say, it ain't all about you. <laughs> then he said, maybe your heart is a grieving heart. Check your heart. Are you one that gives and then regrets? Oh, I shouldn't have done that. I could have kept that. I should have saved that. That's a grieving heart. But God's called us to have a generous heart, one that overflows with abundance, one that is freely willing to give what's been given to us. You know, for the last few months, I've been in in kind of a study on some different things. And one of the things the Lord has been teaching me is about perspective. 
really for probably three to four months in my quiet time, in my study time, he's been saying, I want you to look at things differently. And that's what perspective does. When you have a perspective change, you see something differently. You know, right now I see you on this level, but if I get down here, I see you and you see me on a different level. It's a perspective change. But today I don't want to just give you a perspective change from my point of view or your point of view. I want you to get a divine perspective today. And a divine perspective is when you see things this way, from his eyes and from his view down. And today I want to share some, some principles and thoughts and scriptures that for many of you, you've heard these You've had a perspective of what they meant, but my prayer today is to provide you with a God-sized perspective on what it means to be generous. Pastor made a statement last week, and I've added to it, and this is our takeaway for today. God wants to do more for us than he's currently doing, but we have to stop robbing him of the opportunity. Lord, I need more. I want more. I want to be more. I want to I want you be used more. And he's saying to me today, Josh, don't rob me of the opportunity to make your world larger. For many of us, that's our prayer. Lord, I want you to do more. And he's saying, you're robbing me of the opportunity. I have so many plans. It's so big. You'll never be able to catch it in your mind. You can only see it within here. Don't rob me of the opportunity. Today's message is titled, Robbed of an Opportunity. And we'll begin with looking at Matthew chapter 3, verse 8. And again, I pray that you would just hear this and allow God to show you something different today. He says, will a man rob God? Yet you have robbed me. But you say, wherein have we robbed you? In the tithes and in the offerings. For you're cursed with a curse. You have robbed me, even this whole nation, Bring ye all the tithes into the storehouse, that there may be meat or bread in my house. Improve me now, says the Lord of hosts. If I will not open upon you the windows of heaven and pour out a blessing, that there shall not be room enough to receive it. And I then will rebuke the devourer for your sake, and he shall not destroy the fruits of your ground, neither shall your vine cast her fruits before the time in the field. All nations shall call you blessed, for you shall be a delightsome land, says the Lord of hosts. Let me ask you a question. What if God is not asking something from us, but rather trying to get something to us? What if? What if? I want you to think about this scripture in the context of what if maybe we've seen it before in a different way or maybe we've heard it in a compelling way where we were obligated to give. What if it wasn't so much about us trying to get something from God, but he's trying to get something to us? What if in this scripture is his plan? Listen to this. What if God is not asking for your tithes and offerings because he needs your money to fund his projects? You ever been in a church where they said, we need you to give, we need you to tithe, because if you don't, we can't. That's not what God's saying. I don't need anything from you. I don't need your money to pave my streets with gold. I don't need your hourly wage to put more pearls on my gate. It's differently. It's the, it's the divine perspective that it's not about getting something from us. He's trying to get something to us. What if God is trying to bless us? What if he's trying to overwhelm us? What if he is trying to do something that we couldn't do for ourselves? You know, when you became a Christian and you adopted Christ into your life and you were adopted into God's family, instantly you had an enemy. 
You may not have thought you had an enemy before, but the day you gave your heart to the Lord and submitted and committed to his plan, the Bible says that there is a thief who is coming to steal, kill, and to destroy you and everything that belongs to you. And he's saying, what if you've robbed me of an opportunity to bless you? What if you've robbed me of an opportunity to rebuke the devourer or the one who's trying to take your junk? Oh, I pray you hear this. What if we've robbed him of an opportunity to insure our assets and to show favor in our life? See, I propose today that the whole principle of tithing and giving offerings is so he can bless you and protect you and take care of your stuff. Today, you have to understand it's not for his benefit. It's for our benefit. He said, I do this for your sake, not my kingdom's sake. Not my sake, not the glory. He said, I do it all for your sake. Today, I want to give you three opportunities where it's possible that you've robbed God to bless you. Number one, we may have robbed him in the opportunity of tithing. There's a story in Joshua chapter six, and I love the story of Joshua for many reasons. Ha, ha, ha. But I love the story of Joshua because it's a season of Joshua's life where he's been faithful to follow God and he's going to inherit every promise that was given to Moses and all the children of Israel. And if you've gone through Sunday school or grown up in children's church, you know the story about Jericho where God instructed them, this is the land that I'm giving you. It's yours. I set it aside for you. And all you got to do is march around seven times. And on that seventh day, blow the trumpets and shout the victory, and the walls are going to come fall down. It was already a done deal. All they had to do was be obedient. Look at the scripture. It says here that he gave them one final instruction before they went out. And it says, and you, by all means, abstain from the accursed, lest you become accursed. When you take of the accursed things and make the camp of Israel a curse and trouble it, but all the silver, all the gold, and the vessels of bronze and iron, they are consecrated to the Lord, for they shall come into the treasury of the Lord. That word consecrated means one thing. It means set apart. When you gave your life to the Lord, you were consecrated for his pleasure in his plan. You were set apart for a purpose. You were set apart with a divine opportunity to fulfill a destiny that he created before you were born. Consecration is setting something apart. And he was saying, I've given you this land. I've given you this city, but I want the first. I want the tithe. Don't take any of this for yourself because it's been consecrated. If you will consider it consecrated, guess what? Every other city after that, it's all yours. He's saying the first city was an opportunity for God to bless them in a tithe. See, God has to be first in our lives for there to be order in our life. If God's not first, there's no order. I like this. It said, I wrote this down. It doesn't take that much faith to honor God 10%. It requires great faith to honor him in the first 10%. I thought tithing was just a dime off every dollar. No, it's the first dime off every dollar. You know, I, I think that, that we have to understand this. When we give God the first of the first, the first fruits, we're telling him, you're the most important thing in my life. It's, an, it's, a, it's a mandate of priority. But what happens when we don't do that? What does that say to God? Where does he fall in when you give your mortgage payment versus your tithe? I'm just going to tell you how we do it. We, we, we give God the first 
of the first before we do anything else. Me and my wife have committed that we're going to honor God with our tithes before I pay the mortgage company. They can't bless the other 90%. He can. We we return our tithe before we pay the gas company. Before we pay the insurance or health insurance on our stuff. Why? Because I understand that if I give him the first of the first, the other 90%, it's already blessed. Say that with me. The first of the first. When we give God the first tenth, the other 90 is already blessed. He was telling them, listen, if you bring it, it'll be blessed. But if you keep it, it'll be cursed. How many Christians are believing God for blessings when they've invited cursing into their house because they're not honoring and returning what was not theirs to begin with? The first of the first. What is that? Why does it need to be the first? You're being so picky. It just shows you where your heart is. Nothing's more important to me than honoring and returning what he gave me. The Bible says it's him that gives us the ability to get wealth. He gave you that job. He gave you that paycheck. He gave you that mind, that intellect, and those skills. And every time we earn from what he gave us, we honor him and we return it the first of the first. Proverbs 3.9 says, honor the Lord with your wealth, with the first fruits, well, I got to pay. I got to make sure my stuff's taken care of first. I got a family. And then if there's stuff left over, I'll honor God with that. That's not what it says. Right. Honor him with the first fruits. Well, after I eat everything and get everything I need, then what? No, no, no. It's the first fruits for then your barns. Some of you don't even have barns. I'm believing for a barn because I, I want a place to, to store God's blessing in my life. Just call it like making room for miracles. Like I got more space. I got more place for God to fill. Your barns will be filled to overflowing and your vats will brim over with new wine. What is it? It's a principle of order. I love our pastor said this and I'm stealing it. When order is restored, blessings will be released. I'll be honest with you. You don't even have to pray for blessings. I didn't share this with the first or second service. There's nothing that you need to pray about blessings. When you honor God, it's already blessed. It's like a done deal. It's like a prerequisite. If I honor him with the first, it's a done deal. The rest of it's done. Everywhere I go, it's blessed. Everything I do, all my stuff, all my junk, all my resources, all my investments, my property, listen, it's blessed. You're kind of arrogant in that. I'm not arrogant. This is the opportunity we have. I honor him and he blesses it. See, tithing, it's simply an indicator of our priorities. Tithing is the great revealer of our heart. Don't rob God of an opportunity to bless you in your tithing. See it as a connection to his covenant of blessings. The second place that we rob God of blessing is in our offerings. He says here in Malachi 3, verse 8, he said, For you've robbed me in the tithes, and the offerings. You've robbed me of an opportunity in your tithing, but you've also robbed me of an opportunity in your offerings. Some some people don't understand the difference, and I want to break it down very simply. Tithes are returned. Offerings are freely given. Your tithe belongs in the local storehouse. It belongs in the place where you get fed. I'm a firm believer that IFC is is blessed because we have people that honor him in the tithe in this house and then all of a sudden the word and the bread and the meat is all provided for us and our families because we believe in this. 
You've grabbed a hold of it. There's individuals in here that have grabbed a hold of my tithe belongs here in this house. And then on top of that, I have an opportunity to sow a seed in an offering wherever he tells me, whenever he tells me, and how much he tells me. The difference between tithes and offerings, tithe is returned. Offerings are given. The only way you can rob God in an offering is by robbing him of an opportunity to bless you in it. I'll say it this way. Offerings are over and above your tithe, and offer, offerings are an over and above opportunity for God to bless you. You ever watch those infomercials? It's like, hey, if you buy now, you get this. But wait, there's more. That's what he's saying here. You have an opportunity to, to, to be blessed in your tithe, but you also have this other opportunity to be blessed in your offerings. I, I wanted God to, to bless me, and I began to pray like, Lord, bless me, bless me. And he, he said this to me. I was in Southern California in 2012. We had just gotten married, and I was writing a book, and I'd finished for the day. And I was sitting there having my coffee, and he said to me so loud, he said, I want you to stop living on a fixed income. And I said, I don't, I don't live on a fixed income, Lord. I have a job. I was thinking it was government assistance. He said, no. He said, you're living on a fixed income because you've given all your time to one company for one paycheck. I said, I don't understand. He said, I want you to have multiple streams of income. And I didn't understand that. He said, I want to be able to bring you resources through multiple streams. He said, your job is not your source. I'm your source. And he began to say, I don't want you just getting one source of income and you look to your job or that paycheck for all your stuff. I want you to trust me, but I want you to trust me in how I'm going to get it to you in multiple ways. This is what he said to me next, and this is what hurt. He said, multiple streams of income require multiple streams of outflow. He said, yes, you're a tither and your stuff is protected. He said, but you need another lane of opportunity for me to bless you, so you need to give down other channels. This is the time when me and my wife said, we're going to support our missionary friends. Every single month, faithfully, we're going to sow seed to get money from us to where God needs it to be. This is why I stop on the side of the road and I pull over and I give the guy with the cardboard sign 10 bucks or 20 bucks and say, God's got a plan for your life. He's not done with you yet. Why are you doing that? Because I need him to know I'll get it out. I'll get it to them because I'm expecting it to come in. This is why when I see people that God says, bless them, sow a seed, do something for them, I don't question it. He's trying to get more blessing to me, but I've got to let it go through me. Multiple streams of income have and require multiple streams of outflow. A few years ago when me and my wife got married, we were broke with a capital B-R-O-K, capital E, exclamation point. Broke, broke. You know, you broke is where you got nothing. I was broke, broke, which means I had nothing, and they were still calling saying, you owe us something. And this is where the Lord began to deal with us about this. He said, you don't have to be broke anymore. And I said, Lord, I, I'll give, because I know I believe in this. If, if, if I'll get it out, you'll bring it back. So I ain't got nothing to give. So if you bring it to me, I'll give it. No questions asked. Two weeks later, my wife gets a job. A friend of ours called and said, we're hosting this big event. It's a two-day job. Would you, would you help us with this event? Run it. We'll pay you $1,000. And I said, yes, you will go take that job. <laughs> and she committed to that. And, and right before it, they said, hey, we realize we're going to need more help. Do you think Josh would come and help? 
And I said, yes, I'll come and help. So for two days, she was guaranteed $1,000. And we worked for 48 hours straight, literally just through just crazy work. And, and, and at the end, the guy said, thank you for being so faithful to help us in this need. I want to sow an extra seed. Here's $2,500. I did one of those like old school Holy Ghost jigs like, yeah. And I was so pumped. I'm like, it's working. That was on a Friday. And then on Sunday, my pastor gets up and says, hey, I want you to consider sowing a seed above and beyond your tithes and offerings. We'd like to pay the building off early. We've been carrying this debt. Would you consider sowing an extra seed? And I thought, of course, yeah, right. We just got this money and now you're asking for it. And the Lord said, you asked to receive and you said that you would give. And I'll tell you what, $2,500 in that day was a huge amount of money for us. Still is. And I was sitting on the second row, right where this couple's sitting right here. And my wife over and she said, well, how much of that do you want to give? And out of my heart, I said, give it all. And she said, well, you should pray about it. Because she knew how much we needed that money. And I said, give it all. And she kind of be quiet in church, you know, and she didn't write the check. And on Wednesday night, we went back, we were sitting in that same spot, and the pastor said, let me remind you to make your commitments for the building thing, da 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 and, and she helped me. She said, how much did you want to give? And I said, I told you, give it all. She said, but you didn't even pray about it. We should really get in agreement. We should hold hands and pray and have this moment with the Lord. I said, we don't need to have a moment. We told him if he would get it to us, we would send it back out. This isn't the end of the line. And so we sowed that $2,500 in faith. I'm going to tell you right there, that moment in 2012 going into 2013 was a game changer for our life because we made ourselves available to say, if you'll bring it in, I'll get it back out. I'll get it back out. I don't care how much it is. You can trust me with it. Yeah. Wasn't even a year later. We hadn't missed a bill. We were on time. Everything was taken care of. There was always food in the refrigerator. Everything was happening. It's like, wait a second. We still owe a bunch of money, but we're not missing. We're not missing every month. And God said, you sowed that 2,500. I told you I would bring it back. So a few weeks later, my wife was frustrated about the bills and the phone calls, the credit report. And we're having this little argument in the kitchen. Couples do. Not you guys, just us. To the point where she's concerned about security and I'm concerned about providing and da-da-da. We're having this argument. We start crying. I left the house and I drove away and I told the Lord. And I said, Lord, I'm done. I'm doing what you told me to do. You said bring it and I give it. And I've been giving everything and we ain't got nothing left. And I drove home that day and that's the day that there was a check for $25,000. Came through FedEx for us. And I did another jig right there. I said, oh God, you're so true. You, you're, you're not a liar. You said you'd do it and you're doing it. Let me tell you something. I didn't tell you about the amount so you could be excited about me. If he'll do it for me, he'll do it for you. Whatever he puts in your hands, understand it's an opportunity for you to sow it above your tithes. Our offerings are a way for us to engage another stream of income. I'll be honest with you. I sow all kinds of stuff. I sow parking spots at the mall. You pull up and you got that spot and you got your blinker on and here comes some jerk driving the other way. He's inching forward letting you know when they back out, they're blocking you and I'm going to steal it. And in that moment, I have a decision like I can honk at him and yell at him and tell him he's number one. Or I could just say, oh, he needs it more than I do. Lord, I sow that parking spot to him. You're laughing. 
But there's not a time that I go anywhere that I don't get a front row or right up front parking spot. And someone was drunk and said, this always happens to you. I said, because I sow parking spots. Listen, you can sow whatever. It can be time, talent, treasure. It could be a button. It could be a pencil. Whatever you have in your hands, get it out of your hands and allow him to bring it back. Oh, man, I hope you catch this. I hope you catch this. God has a way. Listen to this. I love this Spurgeon quote. God has a way of giving by the cartloads to those who give away by the shovelfuls. Don't leave here and saying, I don't have $2,500 to give. I didn't either. I didn't have 25 cents to give. But if you'll make it a purpose in your heart, you'll be a funnel and you'll give it. Even if it may be a teaspoon, guess what? Weeks and months later, if you trust him, it'll be a cup full and then a bucket full and a bag full and a cart full. Some of us are believing for the windows of heaven. Let's start sowing seed every opportunity that arrives. And all of a sudden, you'll find it coming back to you in ways you couldn't expect. The third way that we have an opportunity to stop robbing God and be blessed is the sowing of sacrificial offerings. Matthew chapter 12, verse 41. This is dear to my heart. This is how me and my wife got out of debt and are in the place we are now. Just God just honed us in. Listen to this, Mark 1241, he said, Jesus sat down near the offering box, watching all the people dropping in their coins. And many of the rich would put in very large sums, but a destitute widow walked up and dropped in two small copper coins that were worth less than a penny. Jesus called the disciples. He said, hurry, hurry, gather around, check this out. I tell you the truth, this poor widow has given a larger offering than any of the wealthy. For the rich only gave out of their surplus. But she sacrificed out of her poverty and gave to God all that she had to live on, which was everything that she had. God wasn't, Jesus wasn't sitting there watching what they gave. Hear me now. He was watching how they gave. Today it's not about the amount. Tomorrow will never be about the amount. It will always be about your heart. It'll always be about you taking what God's given you and understanding this stuff isn't mine and don't let it have you. Sacrifice is giving beyond our means. Sacrificial giving is giving over and above what we can afford to give and do. Some examples would be in Matthew 26 where the, the woman came to Jesus with the alabaster jar a perfume, and she broke it and dumped it on his head, and she anointed him. And she took her hair, and she began to, the disciples started freaking out, saying, she could have given that. That was a year's worth of wages she wasted. It's a great sacrifice. Abraham and Isaac, God telling Abraham, take Isaac up there and sacrifice your son. He said, yes, Lord, I'm your servant. Whatever you ask me to do, I'm going to do it. And the story says that he took Isaac up there and he began to prepare the thing and he was about to raise the knife and the Lord said, hold on, hold on. I just want to know if you would do it. I've already provided a ram and this story says there was a ram in the thicket that was there. But he was willing to sacrifice. The woman at Zarephath, when Elijah showed up in a drought and he said, hey, can you make me a cake? And she said, I ain't got enough. Man, I'm just getting ready to make a small cake and me and my boy, we're going to eat that and then we're going to die. Then the heart test came and he said, hey, before you do that, will you make me a cake? And the Bible says that she went and made a cake and brought some water and gave it to the man of God and her house ate for days on end. It was a miracle. 
The church at Macedonia, Paul said, in times of great poverty and tribulation, they gave beyond their abilities with joy on their own accord. How about Elijah? One of my favorite stories in the whole Bible where he's on Mount Carmel with the prophets of Baal and they're having a showdown of whose God is real and whose God's going to show up by fire. And they build an altar and they, they sacrifice this animal. And they begin to run around and shout and scream, calling on Baal and nothing happens. The Bible says they got angry and started cutting themselves, but yet nothing happened. And then Elisha shows up and says, step aside, boys, let me show you who my God is, the great provider, the one who will always be and always has been. And he prepared his sacrifice and then he said, bring me some buckets of water. What's the most precious commodity in a drought? most valuable thing he could get his hands on. He said, I'm going to show you this with this sacrifice. And they dumped buckets and buckets. And he said, it's not enough. Dig a trench. And they dug a trench around the altar and they filled that up. And then he called on the name of the Lord and said, be who you said you would be, the great I am, my provider. Be real in this day. And the fire came from heaven and consumed not only the sacrifice and the altar, but all the water was in that trench. You know, God can do something that he can only do in a moment of sacrifice. He'll show up in greater ways than we've ever seen him when we put it all on the line and say, Lord, I got, a, I got nothing and I'm, I'm willing just to put it all in. Those are the moments in, in, in what I call these defining moments in our lives. The greatest sacrifice, the greatest sacrificial gift was God giving his son Jesus while you and I were still sinners. You're asking me to do something I can't do. Jesus himself was the gift of the Father who gave something that nobody would ever give to pay a price that nobody else could pay. I want to read you this because I think this is powerful. In my study time, I found this blog by a pastor in Ohio and he said, it's, it's no secret that we're a part of a generation known for living beyond our means. Would you agree with that? But what would happen if we all determined to change one letter in that phrase from living beyond our means to giving beyond our means? Let me say it this way. If your giving to the Lord does not hurt or infringe upon your comfort level or your lifestyle, it's not sacrificial. If your giving does not stretch you and stretch your faith, then it's most likely not a sacrificial gift. When I give sacrificially, it's me telling God, I'm putting my resources where my mouth is. I'm aligning my actions with my belief that you are more than able. Let's start where we, let's finish where we started. And it is this, that God wants to do more for us than he's currently doing. But we have to stop robbing him of the opportunity. Will you bow your heads and close your eyes with me? My prayer today is that this wouldn't just be a message about you giving something, but that you would get God's perspective that he's trying to get something to you. And it starts with the opportunity in our tithe. I pray that if you're not a tither, that you would take God up on this. He said, put me to the test. Honor me, return to me the first tenth, and the other 90% is gonna blow your socks off. I pray that you would see offerings as an opportunity to, to sow seed. In whatever area he tells you, I pray that you would be a quick giver. 
a quick prompt to do joyful giver when he speaks that it wouldn't be anything about, oh, I need to pray about it. We just do it. My prayer is that for some of you, you need a miracle. You need a miracle financially. You need a miracle in your family. You need a miracle in your health. You need a miracle in your mind, in your physical body. I'm challenging you to talk to the Lord about a sacrificial seed even before the end of the year. That you get something in his hands so he can begin to do something. That you enter 2020 on a different plane, on a different level, with a greater joy, with a greater peace, with greater impact. The larger world. Before we go today, I want to give you the opportunity to receive the greatest opportunity that's ever been given to us. The greatest opportunity that's been given to mankind is to receive Jesus, the gift that God gave us. The Bible says, all who call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. It's, it's so simple. It's actually the easiest gift that you'll ever receive because all you have to do is acknowledge him in your heart and confess him with your mouth. And the Bible says, you will be changed in a moment. If you're here today and you feel like that's you, God's knocking at the door. If you're already saying, let me in, I have an opportunity for you. I have an opportunity for peace. I have an opportunity for prosperity, for, for health, for wellness, for wholeness, completeness. It all comes in the package that we get through the gift of Jesus. If that's you here and you're here today, would you simply just raise your hand? I want to pray for you. I won't embarrass you. You say, Pastor, include me in that prayer. I need Jesus. I need a fresh start. I need a new perspective on my life. Yes, ma'am, I see you right over here. Say, Pastor, yes, ma'am, right here up front, I see you. Hey, pray for me, include me. I want Jesus, I want to receive that gift. I want this opportunity of blessing. Yes, ma'am, I see you. Anybody else say, please, Pastor, pray for me, include me in this prayer. You say, how do I know if that's me? It's, you feel it right there. The Bible says he's knocking at the door of your heart. So it's not an emotional pull. This is a, a spiritual opportunity. Anybody else want to join these that say, include me, Pastor, in that prayer. I want Jesus in my life. With every head bowed and every eye closed. Maybe you've prayed this prayer once. Maybe you've prayed it before. Would you say this out loud with me? Say, dear Heavenly Father, today I receive Jesus. I receive this opportunity for a new life. Lord, I believe Jesus died on the cross for my sins. He was resurrected for me to have eternal life that begins right now. Today, in front of my friends, in front of my family, I declare Jesus as the Lord of my life. Amen. God bless you guys. Thank you so much. Thanks for listening. To stay connected, find out our service times, or how you can get involved, please visit intlfamilychurch.com for more information. Our mission at International Family Church is to help you know God for yourself, to find freedom in your life, to discover your God-given purpose, and help you make a difference in the lives of those around you. One of the easiest ways you can help us do that is simply by sharing this podcast and connecting with us online. You can do so by subscribing, leaving a review on iTunes, or sharing it with your friends on Facebook. Thanks again for listening.